podcast that focuses on how we shift from intergenerational trauma to intergenerational abundance. In this episode, I'm actually joined by my fellow cycle breaker and really the very first person in my family to break cycles and to teach me how to break cycles in a way that I felt was filled with abundance and filled with ingenuity and intuition and She just knew what to do, and I don't know how, and I want to interview her to just get a sense of her own experience of breaking cycles and the ways that she actually came into breaking cycles on behalf of us and how she, in essence, like taught the rest of us in our family to break cycles with each other. So I'm going to be bringing in my sister, Lady, who is also the person to whom I dedicate the book, Break the Cycle, A Guide to Healing Intergenerational Trauma. And she's going to join me in conversation to have a heartfelt discussion about how we broke cycles as a unit and also what legacies she's hoping to leave her son in the next generation. So without further ado, here's Lady. Okay. Hello. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> okay, y'all. So um, in this episode of Break the Cycle with Dr. Marielle, I am joined only by Lady. The real Dr. Marielle. <laughs> the one that's really behind <laughs> the scenes and like really making things work. Um, and it, this is, you know, really special for me to be able to have you on because as I say, you have been in essence like you know, the one in our family to break the cycle. Um, I wanted to start us off with actually like you reading the very first. (laughs) See, that's unexpected. You're going to make me read. I feel like I'm back in fifth grade. So read the dedication (laughs) of the book. Oh, my God. Stop. No. (laughs) For my sister, Lady. Thank you for modeling for me how to break cycles with love at the center. May we continue to live out our intergenerational legacy. I love you to infinity. Love you. Love you. Oh, my God. That's you so deserve beautiful. That. I mean, like, you have been the one to help us to break cycles in our family. And you have also, like, helped me to build this entire healing protocol for other people to heal like you are the you're the hub you're the center are you see i can no see you're not gonna do no you're not gonna do me like that okay no we're not crying we're they're happy tears um you could cry i don't mean stop crying i didn't mean that (laughs) i mean wow it's it's overwhelming to see you know how far this has come um, and at the same time, it's like I'm so overjoyed because it like our life took such an unexpected turn. Right. You know, like two girls being raised in Newark mm-hmm. and by a, like technically a single mom, because, you know, for the most part of our upbringing, it was just mom there um, physically. So, you know, to see us kind of where we are now, like. I'm really proud. Me too. Yeah. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us as a whole unit. Like, I feel like we've all tried yeah. to break in whatever ways we could a cycle of some sort. 
and it, it's it's been a little bit hard to really come to that realization mm-hmm. because as you know you know I have been and I'm and you have too right like been through moments when it's been like you know it's it's been mostly anger or yeah. resentment or the feeling like you know why couldn't they blah 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 you know and right our parents um you know down to this very day sometimes you know they they can get on our last nerve oh my gosh <laughs> that's the reality right like it's not like all like you know roses and no, butterflies no. i mean they're absolutely amazing people great parents but again you know with every parenting relationship um i think there come some struggles and we have we have ours yeah you know especially they're i think they're more notable now as they're aging it's like some of those like really um like annoying habits are more like they've been more they they have this other level now mm-hmm. <laughs> that well, they're aging you said it the other day you were like um it feels like we're reparenting our parents yeah like even getting them like set and ready for today i felt like i had to get three kids ready instead of <laughs> one right and not even because i don't even got to worry about aiden as much as i do mom and dad and it's like okay mom did you take your meds did you have this do you have that and i feel like you know i'm i'm parenting our parents Mm -hmm. in the sense Mm -hmm. you know yeah and it's like you know in part it's like such an honor and then it's also like no one prepared us for this no no not at all because you know normal cycle of life right you know you you grow up with your parents you go apart from them you build your own family you have your own children and then you're you know you're expected I guess in a way to come back in their later years when they're elderly and they need the extra help and assistance and kind of be there for them but to have at least like for me you know this life where I haven't had a separation from them and I've not only grown up, but also seeing them evolve into different stages of life right there, you know, next to me. Like, I feel like that that's a different thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You've seen every evolution of their lives from yeah. their, when they entered adulthood, you know, down to this very day. Yeah, and it's like now it's, they're at that point where you start seeing some regression, you know. Mm-hmm. They go back to almost being kids because it's like you have to remind them things multiple times. You have to, you know, make sure, like, they're on top of the things they need to do. Mom, did you eat? Uh, appointments, mm-hmm. doctor's appointments. You know, I'm the mm-hmm. one who has to keep record or else they they forget that they have an appointment and mm-hmm. then everybody's going crazy. So, yeah, it's like those little things that nobody prepares you to to deal with because, Mm -hmm. you know, the expectation is that your parents are going to age and then you're going to come and and assist them. But to be there through the process of the aging, like there's there's no handbook. Is it in here? (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is actually good. (laughs) You know, um, one thing that for me has been really 
it, it just wasn't something I was prepared for was in that regressive state that you're talking about them being in mm -hmm. that I have been seeing a lot of their inner child wounds. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't ready for that. I know. And the memories, the, the things they remember, right? In the such things, great detail. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's been shocking because, like, you know, us growing up, we heard stories, right? We heard stories about the family. We heard stories about them. But it's like now it has like a more profound feeling to the story. It's almost like they're back in that time, mm -hmm. you know, they're they're reliving that memory. And like, you know, like we just witnessed dad getting very emotional because, you know, of his memory of not having something he really wanted as a kid and going through that struggle and and just growing up in poverty, right? Like that's that's a it's a trauma in it and of is. itself. Yeah. It really is poverty in another country, because I think poverty here looks a little different, mm -hmm. right? And and I believe that you know to some extent there's more assistance available to people, whereas back home it's like you know you're poor, you're poor, poor, mm -hmm. right? And I mean a neighbor might help you here and there a distant family member that's probably doing better off you know might send some food over things like that but you know the poverty is really felt mm -hmm. over there mm -hmm. and and for them to experience it as children and have that impact in their life right where it's like you know just a real pain right of of not being able to have some bare necessities like mm -hmm. That, that tears me every time. I think that's part of the reason why I feel like I became so giving, mm -hmm. right, as, as a person in general and just always wanting to make sure we have what we need at all times. And that, that was a driven motivation for me, really. Yeah, it, it, it has been. But like I mentioned in the book and like we've spoken about, I think it also, you know, has been something that you've layered on your shoulders you know, to to a degree where it has been, as I have seen it, it's not that you've said these words, but I've seen it as an overburden. Mm -hmm. You've carried our family for a very long time on your shoulders, and no one person should ever have to do that. And you've done that ever since you were little. Well, I think that's, I, I mean, I don't want to call it this, but I guess that's like the curse of the, you know, first-generation immigrant child, right? that we feel like, you know, the obligation almost like to to carry our family through because so much is invested and put on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we brought you here so you can have a better future. So you you gotta do right. You gotta succeed. You gotta, you know, dot all your I's and cross all your T's because so much depends on you. Like you cannot fail, right? So it's that pressure that um, can be turned into something good, but it could also be your demise mm -hmm. because depending on how you process it, that can put you in a really bad state mentally, physically. You know, some people can't seem to get it, like get it right. Mm -hmm. And then they put themselves down for it, right? Whereas, um, luckily for me, it was the opposite of that spectrum where I was, because I knew 
so much was depending on me. I it propelled me into doing better, into making good choices, into always thinking about, you know, consequences of things because I'm like, I can't mess up. Because, you know, I'll be letting mom down, I'll be letting dad down. Now I'm an example for you. Like so yeah, it's a lot. And I think anyone in first generation can can relate to that feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely, you know, in part, I, I blame the systems that we have to then live under, both the, the systems in, in DR and also the ones, you know, within the U.S. because they perpetuate poverty for the poor. They perpetuate poverty for individuals that are migrants and immigrants to this country. And as a result, it makes it so that, you know, we, we have to in essence, have first daughters, you know, enter the workforce early and miss their childhood Mm -hmm. and care for their younger siblings because the parents have to work two jobs and are never around, right? Like, it's like, it's, it's not that our families are choosing this. It's that it's the way of life. It's the systems that are imposing Mm -hmm. this way of life upon us, um, in part, right? And so, I, you know, it, it frustrates me also on a systemic level, which I talk about within the book, that there are systemic factors that are also a part of that. And then and there's also cultural things. Like, it's in the culture for, you know, the eldest to also take care of everybody else. Yeah, It's not just, you know, and it happens even in elder siblings that maybe have more financial stability than what we had growing up. It's mm-hmm. just too much of the norm. And it's, it robs children of their ch- childhood in ways that it has done for you. It does. And in part also, like I mentioned before, I always try to take something from these experiences that has been beneficial to me. And although, yes, I did have to grow up a little, you know, faster than most kids that weren't in the same situation I had to mature and get a job and do all these things while you know still navigating all the changes and nuances of high school right um but I think that also kind of shaped me it shaped my my personality it shaped my beliefs and and it it really made me part of who I am Mm -hmm. you know and I'm proud of that like I'm not I don't I everyone wishes some part of their life was different right but I think that for me is if I would have changed anything it probably just would have been like having that around right Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but not so much for me but more like a support to mom Mm mm-hmm than for me because I saw what his absence did to her right but I think that aside from that um you know I wouldn't change anything because I I am able to be this person now because I've been shaped by those experiences and I love this person I love who you are I feel like you have like the steadiness about you that is so grounding and it shows in your son like your son is very much like that person too um and me since i'm so hot-headed and like you know such a fire we need a little crazy in the family though (laughs) i resent that on many levels not just because i don't Uh, even use the word crazy but because every everybody has a uh a little right in the family like uh the 
the black sheep they call them i'm certainly the black sheep yeah the person that just goes against everything every rule she's the rule breaker she's the you know <laughs> and and just like she's breaking rules she's breaking cycles mm-hmm. like it's it's an ongoing thing for you huh yeah you know that's just <laughs> I was born this way, as Lady Gaga says. <laughs> but it's almost like that TikTok of like, really? you know, that TikTok of the the family there in front of like the the Buckingham Palace, and mm-hmm. then they pan to the one family member, and he's like, "This institution, <laughs> yes. that's me." Literally. That's yeah, me. everybody's enjoying the moment while you're finding fault. Like, okay, no, something's off here. I'm just too conscious. Yeah, there's she's, no such, she's woke. There's no such thing. I, there's no. I don't believe in that. I I just like expanding my mind and understanding the realities of this world and then integrating that into my work absolutely but you know it does it does hurt too because there was a a long period of time where I was getting all this awakening and consciousness Mm -hmm. raising raising in my life that was happening mostly in academia yeah and I was bringing that back to our family Mm -hmm. with rage because I was like you guys don't understand like you you must do this you can't do that and it felt very forceful Mm -hmm. and it led me nowhere I mean it created you know boundaries but the boundaries were built on pain and that that's not so I I made sure that I you know in my own evolution like I was like okay that isn't the way that I believe I need to be trying to break these cycles because it 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 is just creating other cycles yeah um and I'm not perfect. Just the other day, you know, like I had like a, a, a fit with mom <laughs> and mom, like she erected a boundary with me and shook me. I know. I, I was, was kind of like, proud of her. I know me too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, excuse me, Donya. Yeah. <laughs> so in part, I was like. Okay, you, you like, heard me. Yeah, I was like, I'm sorry, mom. It. Yeah, I exactly. Like, I mean, because we got to also model what we you know what we preach yeah. and like, you could tell she was thrown off guard i she, mean yeah like we talk about nope because you have to respect my boundary on this that and the other yeah. but when they're throwing it back at us we're like okay like we also need to yeah. you know yeah. respect their boundaries so i was so proud yeah. of her because it was she kept saying like you know i suffered a lot in my life yeah. and this is not something that i'm willing to mm-hmm. allow yeah. because it perpetuates suffering for me i'm no longer and i was like I heard it. Right. I heard it. And I, I am not contesting that. And I honor that for you. And you're right. And it, it just, it I really love it. And in. I love it. And at the same time, I feel like, wow, it took, it took her this long. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're, you're in your senior years and it took you this long to understand your worth, your value and to stand up for yourself in that way. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm proud of her for doing it. And at the same time, there's a little bit of grief, right? Because it's like, you know, you, you're glad that it's like your child. Like when <laughs> you're glad, like they finally get something. Um, same, same applies with your parents. It's like they finally got it, but it came with a price, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had to, she had to take a lot of punches, in order for her to finally like say no, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. willing to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a nice moment. You, you know, know what else is like? You know, a little bit of like bittersweet, almost grief, grief stricken is the fact that um, we 
are seeing this this evolution in them and it's only a fraction of what we get to experience of them in this lifetime i mean we don't know when we're all gonna go right, right. but but it's like we saw them more in pain than not than not yeah and that's so sad because they didn't have the tools they didn't ha- that's that's a part of why you know i feel like I have been even so forceful about wanting to break these cycles mm-hmm. because I'm like, let's get out of pain. I don't want this anymore. Yeah. I don't want this for our family. We don't the struggle, you yeah. know, the constant struggle to just to live, really, you know, just to live and to live with the the nuances of that life throws at you. And it's it's sad that that's not the case for most families that they don't get to experience that breakthrough, right? They stay in that state of suffering and struggle and they continue to just kind of carry that on generation after generation. So I think that, you know, in part, I want to say that we had a lot of influence in that. We had a lot to do with that. The fact that our parents are able to reach that part of their life now because you know that we, they're able to break these cycles. they're able to break some cycles yeah, some, whatever they can yeah. you know at this at this age because we have had the tools mm-hmm. to to allow them to do this right? yeah reverse and, modeling almost yeah yeah but a lot of people don't have even no. parents that are willing to actually engage in so the then process. like what do you do right right um, you buy Dr. Mario's book, <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, guys, I mean, for people that just can't get to this point in their life with relatives, with parents, especially, it's very hard, you know, and it's very hard to, to kind of almost show them that their way is the wrong way, mm-hmm. which is not what they want to hear. Right. Um, but like, what is it that you can do in those situations? You you model that life for them, right? You model that parenting style mm-hmm. for them. When you're around your children, when they are around your children, you say, we do things like this. Mm-hmm. Even, if know? It, even if they are still giving you fuss about it. Right, yeah. right. And you hear them out, you know, because shutting them down completely is, is not going to get you anywhere. You hear them out, but you also show them, this is why we do it like this. Mm -hmm. And it works. The this is why is super important because that's what you taught me. Because like I said, you were giving Aiden so much leeway. And I was like, what is she doing? Mm -hmm. And it it almost like, because it went against what I've been taught because our mother was very strict. And so for me, it didn't make any sense that you were being so lenient. Right. And... And you were informing me as to why you were being that way mm-hmm. and how you were trying to build agency in Aiden, you know, and, and all those things really resonated. That part, the building agency, I think is the part that I was like really focused on because, you know, our mother taught us to kind of almost like depend on each other. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but what if we didn't have each other? Mm-hmm. You know, who who are we to turn to? Who are we to depend on? So building agency in my son was something that I took seriously, not only because he was the only child, but also because as an individual, he needs to know himself, mm-hmm. right? Apart from his family, like you are someone in this world that, you know, your family is a part of you, but it's not you. 
-hmm. You know, you are self-defined and you take the tools, you take the advice, you take the things that we implement for your good, but you're going to modify that, right? You're going to modify that based on your personality, based on what works for you, based on your attitude, based on your life experiences, because we don't all experience the same things. And even even there's been tests with people that experience the same situation at the same time, having different perspectives, right? So it's all, you know, a matter of like, just knowing that you're giving this child, this offspring, this member of your family doesn't have to be your child. You know, whatever has worked for you, whatever is best from you, you give it to them, right? But you got to allow them to do what they feel and think is is going to work for them. Mm -hmm. You can't tell them, no, because I did it like this, that's the way you got to do it. No, I did it this way, I'm letting you know. Now you can take that tool, you can you apply it the same way, or you can use it differently, however it suits you, because you have the information, you have the tool, now apply that in your life. But how did you learn to do that? That's always been the biggest mystery to me, because... We didn't learn that from anywhere that I can identify. I parent my son the way I wish I was. Mm. That's just just the bottom line. I'm the mother to Aiden that I wish I had with the emotional maturity, with the resources that, you know, we didn't have. I am trying to be that for him. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating because I see exactly what you mean. We had a very and um, our mother, I feel like she had a lack of flexibility that I wish, Mm -hmm. but she was always mothering from a place of fear because we lived in Newark, New Jersey. We were, you know, kind of like mostly unsupervised because she had to Mm -hmm. work, right? And so she was so afraid that we would... And we were girls. We were girls. You know, like... And, you know, I think she was really afraid of what could happen should she not be strict enough. Right. But that didn't allow us to have enough of a voice, which I see in myself. No. I struggle. Mm-hmm. I have struggled so much with finding my voice. I now have it, but it was a struggle. And yeah. it, and I know that, you know, you've had your own, like, versions of how. Gosh, to this day, I'm still scared of mom. Like, well, when she gets she's mad. She's so frail. Like, oh. Well, not, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I. I I do love see, the mother we have now. We do. We yeah. I mean, she's like it's like so a three sixty. Yeah, but that transformation also came from, you know, just how we evolved mm-hmm. as you know people. Right. We took what she gave us and we applied it in our own way. Mm-hmm. We took the good. We took the bad. We chose what we wanted to keep and what we didn't, and we evolved into our own person right and by us having that evolution we were able to then come back to our parents and teach them a better way Mm -hmm. I also feel like they have been like teaching us what they have actually done like there's a lot of okay Latina moms really moms or parents but there's a Latina mom thing right where it's like you know what I have done for you and just kind of really like Like reminding you you of (laughs) of the sacrifices right and she definitely did that and I almost started interpreting it as like you're trying to guilt trip me and it's manipulative Mm. but I didn't 
eventually as as I you know kind of like listened to the entire sentence mm-hmm. I was like you know what mom you're right you were there mm-hmm. and like she said you know in the episode with her like the presence of a parent is the important presence. and she was there and 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 it, she wasn't perfect but there I always knew my mom loved me yeah yeah, and that was, and that no matter what happened, I mean, whether you were gonna have to face her with good or bad consequences, you knew she was gonna be there, yeah. you know, yeah. and and that's reassuring for sure because every kid should feel like you know they have that person to turn to, they have that security. Mm-hmm. Security is so primal, you know, especially with these young adults now. That they really think they're facing life alone. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, it's a scary world for the next generation, for sure, that we are creating. Because millennials were and Gen X were in great part creating the world that they're a part of. But, um, you know, the, the last thing that I wanted to kind of touch on with you is in reference to, you know, what happens when there are cycles that remain unbroken when our parents are no longer here. I, I've thought about that for mm. myself and I know that you and I have had like loose conversations about it where it's like yeah. we know they're not gonna change this part of yeah. themselves. That's just like so it's ingrained. Just how they are and, and we love the eighty percent of our parents I love, right? But yeah. there's sometimes that twenty percent where we're, we look 20. at each other and we're like, Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in part like I've I've leaned on like, you know what? grace because that's really the key it is grace because you know what you're not gonna make a full change in one generation mm-hmm. you know the 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 goal here is for every generation after you to be better right and maybe one day it'll reach a perfection but it's for us not to get stuck Right. And repeating the cycles, but instead to have each generation take something and continue to improve, continue to grow. Mm. You know, it's not going to be done in one family. It's not going to be done with our parents. It's not going to even be done with us, you know, but we can hope that what started with us will continue to flourish. Yeah. I love doing life with you. Me too. I feel very blessed and grateful that I get an opportunity to have a sister that I can break cycles with. And it's why in the book I included, like, find your person. Because yeah. it makes a difference. You can do life alone. Yeah. You know, you need you need people. It takes a village, like they say, you know. But if you have, like, that one good person, you're solid. Mm-hmm. For life. For life. (laughs) Love you. There you have it. This was a wonderful episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the vulnerability. I hope that you enjoyed the, the actual lessons and the details within. And if you want to get into your own cycle breaking journey and need the tools for yourself, for your family members, friends, people that you love, then I invite you to buy my book, Break the Cycle, A Guide to Healing Intergenerational Trauma, where you'll be able to guide yourself through the different areas of intergenerational healing and really have a roadmap for the work ahead. I hope that you can hold steady to your heart 
and that you can feel settled as you navigate these tough terrains of breaking cycles and just know that the work is worthwhile at the end. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.